Welcome to the Software People Stories. I'm Shiv. I'm Chitra. And I'm Gaiti. We bring you interesting untold stories of people associated with the creation or consumption of software-based solutions. You'll hear stories of what worked and sometimes what didn't. You will also hear very personal experiences and insights that would trigger your thoughts and inspire you to do even greater things. Before we begin this episode, a request. Software People Stories has been nominated for the Hubhopper Awards and this is to request you to show your love for this podcast by voting for us under the Business and Entrepreneurship category. You can cast your vote at community.hubhopper.com slash hubhopper hyphen awards. Please also spread this in your networks to see your favorite podcast win. Thank you. In this episode, I am in conversation with my colleague Anantha Natarajan, known as Anand, a colleague and coach at PM Power Consulting. Anand shares his experience and perspectives related to coaching senior leaders and mid-level managers, how he had to rediscover himself and his approach while working with experienced managers and leaders, about the approach of earning the trust of one's boss, his thoughts on continuous flow of value and the analogy of how he learns by playing bridge. Listen on. Hi, Anand. Welcome to the Software People Stories again. Hi, Shiv. Thanks for uh, having me on the program again. So this time we will not do a formal introduction. I'm sure our listeners know you already and uh, like okay. your earlier story as well. Yeah. So this is more about probably my curiosity mm-hmm. as to how you went about doing some of the things that you have been doing recently and even earlier, how you've been leveraging your experience. One thing mm-hmm. that I wanted to understand was as a coach, mm-hmm. when you are dealing with teams, the team level coaching versus mm-hmm getting into, let's say, the leadership level coaching or the middle management level coaching. Mm -hmm. Was there any repositioning that you had to do for yourself as to how you presented, how you kind of connected and all that? And Mm -hmm. have there been any changes in terms of how you approached coaching and probably some techniques that you used and that worked for you? Hmm. Yeah, it's been interesting, actually, in the last uh, probably for a couple of years, I've been working with leaders. And when I say leaders, you know, mostly people in the middle. I think it, in the past, most there was, there was definitely, I was working with uh, managers as well. But the focus was to, you know, get the teams, uh, scrum teams working or Kanban teams, uh, doing the right things and behaving the right way. And that was the focus, right? And in that process, you used to interact with leadership and then, you know, guide them. But in the last couple of years, it's been more of actually not doing very little with teams. And most of the work with the middle managers and the leadership, right? So that, that's been a bit different. And I think in some ways I had to sort of rediscover definitely my ways or my approaches and had to think a little bit more about what am I trying to do here? Because you're working with you know more mature leaders who had greater success with their past ways of working. So how do you bring in change there? So that, that way it's been different actually yeah so has your position for instance as a coach we need to first establish that contract right with the teams you're probably going there as somebody who brings a lot of experience and like you mentioned if these managers or leaders already Mm -hmm. have 
a successful track record or probably are comfortable with doing things in their own way yeah how do you first engage and maybe disarm them so that it becomes a fertile condition for coaching huh. interesting actually so i used to have this very strong coaching philosophy like you find the solution right i'm i'll ask you questions and you'll find solutions right and also when i used to work with teams there was also a scrum right scrum had a good structure in place right which their teams are trained on but with middle that's interesting you should say you know establish contract right so we we talk about this all the time right trustworthiness is about character and competence what i found with the middle is uh, they need to see competence first interestingly <laughs> right that that sort of what i realized without giving solutions okay. and uh, i found leaders are also good up, good with uh, they they get principles right they've been operating with the principle and if i'm able to guide them with the principle rather than giving a solution they get the principle and they're able to figure out solutions okay. so but in, in in some ways i think they want to see an expert to start with that's what i found that competence part right they they want immediately feel hey, this person is competent and how you demonstrate that right without without creating a distance with buzzwords <laughs> you know what i'm saying right using simple language like you know we used to talk about okay look the goal here is not to manage by metrics and exceptions the goal is to manage flow value mm. uh, i i i'll say something like that right okay and then they sort of think oh okay there is something different here right i'm relating to what they have been doing and talking about something which i think is different and they start asking you questions and then you know a discussion evolves and all along i think it, it one thing i found is that you got to have a lot of respect for what they have achieved in their career and their track record sometimes you know we go with uh, you know nose up in the air is that what we say <laughs> right you know we are superior wisdom great wisdom from these coaches and you know they don't know anything and we keep saying you know middle manager is the problem <laughs> right that has to be solved but instead you know i i think i found i had to have a deep respect for them which comes out as vibes right i mean they sort of have to know that you respect them you know for what they are and whatever they believe in so that's one thing i found also different in my early approaches right so this is, so i think that created a foothold or like you call no fertility condition tell me that was the starting point interestingly it was you know, it was about competence right you demonstrating that but also respecting them i think that was the starting point and i think maybe i'll talk about one of the first things i had to change myself right in me when i had to work with them was uh, i i call this like know my place because when i get very get into an organizations like particularly large organizations right uh, there is a larger transformation team there are a lot of other coaches at different levels there are some who are working with the, the top uh, leaders in the organization there are some working with the middle there are some coaches who are working with the teams this is on one side right the other side is we also have a lot of uh, organizational dynamics right within the organization so for example right people will initially i found they asking me a question which are somewhat loaded they they're looking for an answer that they want from you right which is probably somewhat unrelated to coaching let's say we do a meeting and then they will someone will send a chat message separately right asking that's the stupidest thing we've heard isn't that right <laughs> right i mean mm-hmm. and you got to know your place right and then not react to everything and then not respond to everything or once i had a manager who sort of called me 
private conversation, right? You said, look, along the way, can you give me some feedback on you know how some of these managers are performing on the ground, <laughs> right? I mean, to me, that's like a, a difficult, right? That's not my place, right? Mm. So, so I found this knowing my place has multiple you know aspects to it, and and uh, we, we go we, when we go into an organization, I realize I have to know there's a lot of history there, and the people have been there for some time. <laughs> So you, you can get in yourself into positions uh, where you, you sort of compromise your role as a coach. So I found that's a good principle to know, know your place. And that was the first thing I think I learned. I, I had to be careful what I say, where I, you know, what I say or where I say what, where I react in that sort of a role. Yeah, it's interesting when you mentioned uh, earning the respect. Yeah. So two thoughts that cross my mind are one, is this something as an approach that will work for all of us when we have to deal with our bosses? Yeah, many times you know, we hear things saying, that, oh, my boss doesn't understand. My boss is always demanding. My boss is unreasonable. I mean, the blame is on the boss. Okay? Yeah, yeah. But if this approach of earning the boss's respect is mm. something that all of us can do as individuals or as, as individual contributors, team members, mm. do you think that would make the relationship stronger and so is it, it easy and is it easy for a team member to do that also you're saying in, in an organization the manager i'm coaching they want to earn the respect of their manager is that what you're talking about yeah either they earning the respect of their managers basically i'm just trying to extrapolate your approach of establishing your credibility through trust first yeah right huh. if the team members also take that approach with mm -hmm. their leaders or the managers you coach take it with their managers. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. Actually. See, first thing when I go to an organization, I think, you know, I always say this, right? First thing when I go to an organization, we see many things that don't seem right. And I, I initially I used to quote, this guy doesn't know what he's doing or this person needs coaching. In fact, that used to be my first reaction when I meet with many of the leaders. I had to change that mindset for me. I had to start saying, look, I'm my starting point in engaging with people is I have unconditional respect for them. Mm. Right? Because they've reached that position where they are for some for some reason, okay, for a good reason, right? Mm -hmm. So I think I start with that. So first thing that does is that sense vibes, right? They know this person is talking to me not kind of in a condescending way or not with any biases. In fact, he's biased towards respect for me as a starting point. Okay. So I think that that is the first thing. I think I would suggest that to all managers because when they are complaining all the time about their bosses, right? I mean, there's a bit of a history there. I guess as a coach, when I go, I'm new there. So for me, that is a starting point. But you, you talked about this uh, earning the respect, people trying to earn the respect of their managers, right? I think that that is vital. In fact, uh, it probably like first principle I spoke about was know your place, right? The second one I found is help these leaders look great, not just in front of their people, also in front of their managers. I had this situation, right, where the manager, this person I was coaching, uh, was being pushed by another transformation coach to do a few other things. And this manager came and said, okay, look, you know, I find it, uh, it's too much. What they're asking for is unreasonable, right? And I said, okay, look, why don't you talk to your manager about it? So, look, I spoke to him, but, you know, he's not sort of giving me definitive answer, right? Because we are all part of this transformation organization and stuff like that. So, he was looking for ways to sort of, how do I 
manage that. So eventually what I found out, I mean, through questions, I found out was that the other transformation coach that was pushing was going to help this person's manager to achieve that person's manager's goals, right? Okay. So I had to ask him, look, how important is it for you to help your manager achieve his goals? And then the answer was very obvious. So that that's in a way a means to help this person earn the other person respect. For example, let's say Shivina, you're my manager, right? I'm going to put in all my I, I'm going to put a lot of effort to help you achieve your goals, right? That will obviously earn the respect. So I so I found at least in terms of attitude, hey, no, this person has the right attitude, helping us to achieve my goals. And eventually all this should align to organizational goals. <laughs> okay. So I found on the ground, I think the second principle is help these people look great. Not just in front of their people, also with their managers, through their performance, not by managing visibility as, as a lot of people want to do. Yeah, very interesting. Now, earning respect or even understanding and then helping, let's say your manager succeed or who you're working with succeed, I assume requires a lot of empathy. Right? To put yourself in their shoes and seeing why they consider something as a key factor for their success, etc. Yeah. So are there any practices that have helped you or would you recommend anything for your coaches? I think this is, uh, I'm trying to think back about actual experience. <laughs> Maybe two things come to my mind. One is, uh, I, I tell them not to, I, I think generally, like this used to happen, right? In the middle of a call. There's a private conversation happening, right? Chat. <laughs> I, I don't know. That's a habit. I'm finding in many of the middle classes, right? Something is happening. There's another chat coming, right? They're looking for real-time coaching. <laughs> so much, right? Okay. And, <laughs> right? And the person is saying something is a stupid thing to say. What do, what do I do with such managers? So I usually told people to sort of uh, just listen or be patient, not to react like on the spot, right? We talk about that, right? That space between, you know, stimulus and response. I've usually told them, hey, you know, let's just hear what the other person has to say. I, th- I think that found that because it just gives them a, I mean, remember these people are also smart people. And many of the middle managers I found, they have good people skills. Yet, you know, in, in that moment, they're getting frustrated. And so I found um, just, just asking them to hold off, right? Take a pause. Let's just listen and Maybe we'll discuss later or or stuff like that, right? That's what I usually do. And 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 they've heard that, right? And some of them will just be quiet for some time. And when you're quiet, you know, you got to listen. But you got to say it at the iPhone. You got to guide them without disrespecting the other person, right? The other manager. If I'm going to say, yeah, it's an idiot, but what to do? We have to hear what he has. Let's listen to him. That doesn't help, no ship. Mm, so yeah. I say, let, let's just listen. And then, you know, maybe we can take a call offline. We can have a chat offline. Or if a commitment is expected on the spot, be courageous enough to say that, hey, you know what? Why don't you give me, let me just think about what's really involved and come back. That sometimes is also needed, right? So I think in such cases, that also is needed. It's not really a pushback. And it's a bit of a buying time, right? And I think no senior manager would say no to that, right? Hey, you know, as long as you're genuine in what we say, right? It all comes down to that shift, you know, how genuine you are. And I think that is the key, you know, how genuine you are and what you say and what you do matters a lot. You can't be thinking my man is an idiot and then trying to show empathy. (laughs) I don't think that works. Yeah. How does this remote working affect this? 
And is it easy to build this kind of a relationship and sustain this if you are only connecting remotely? I think it's harder, right? That is my view. <laughs> okay. It is possible, but right? It requires a little bit more work. Uh, see, actually, if you look at it, whenever some of these engagements, team leaders are distributed, right? Often teams are co-located, but leaders are distributed, right? Even in my current engagement, the leaders are in three different countries, you know, India, the US, and another European country, right? So what I'm finding is this remoteness is there even when you when you're working. I mean, for example, the three out of the five leaders that I was coaching in that team were in the US. I think remote working is not so much a pandemic thing to me. I think that's been a reality for a long time, but more so now. I think it's it's possible. I don't think there is any principle that is different uh, for remote. I, I just found that I always, with leaders, I always recommend calls with video on. Um, because I think calls with video on is a simple principle. Everyone talks about it. But I think that to me makes a big difference, right? Because I can see the room. I can see the dynamics of what is happening and what's happening in people's faces and stuff like that, right? So probably that is the only thing I found is an important thing. Other than that, I think all the principles apply. Okay. Switching tracks slightly, you also mentioned the flow of value. Yeah. As a leader, how do you first choose or decide what is value? And second, how do you get the team or probably other leaders also to agree on or converge on the same value? And since you mentioned flow, how quickly or how much flow we can create for that value? Yeah, it's a very, very it's an excellent question, actually. Difficult one, because value being such a generic and uh, probably also hyped up term, right? Thanks to consultants <laughs> like us sometimes. <laughs> I think. So, so what I try to do is usually, you know, when you go to large organization, they will talk about value at a very high level. You know, they will say customer centricity. Uh, if you are delivering what the customers want ahead of faster, and then, you know, you are actually delivering value, right? And they may put some numbers to it as well. So, but what I found is when you work with the middle, you got to help them relate the idea of value in their program level, if you might say, right? Program meaning a collection of a product area or whatever, right? I found uh, it is something you have to help them discover, right? What that is. So, for example, I have, uh, we've had it, you know, in my engagement, maybe we talk a little bit more practically. We've had two, two levels, two ways of looking at priority. And actually, probably I should say three, three dimensions broadly. So, one part of value is, are you doing things? Or, for example, if you're working on requirements of features, are you working on features that are aligned to the strategic expectations of the organization, right? Because strategy is sort of cascaded down. So is there an alignment to that? I think that is one of the key dimensions of value. So I help them, okay. So whenever you talk about a feature you or a requirement, you have to think about, okay, which initiative is this aligned to, which is strategic in nature. So that is one dimension, right? The other is, uh, and hopefully that will be aligned to high-level customer needs, which is the slightly longer term in mind. The second thing I found is alignment to what the customers is asking for now, right? These are not strategic things. These are requirements that are flowing in from customers or business, uh, you know, depending on the type of organization you are with, which are needed in the you know, the next three to six months, right? Or less than a year. There are things that they want. To, to me, that dimension is also important, right? So that sort of usually helps address some of the, you know, short to medium term needs as well. 
because I found if you don't do that, the customer starts feeling I'm not getting value. So that is the thing, another dimension, right? Which help, will help the customer achieve some outcomes. I found there's a third dimension, which is about technology and architecture, leveraging trends in the, in the technology space to create solutions that nobody is even thinking about. Customer is not thinking about it. And your management's probably not thinking about it. Uh, but you are able to think about it because like we in our teams, we had a chief architect and we had some very senior developers who sort of knew what was going on. So I found if, uh, and that's also slightly, you know, a little bit longer term. I found if these three dimensions, all of them eventually adding to value to customer, right? And creating outcomes for customers. So that program is able to think about all these three dimensions when they are prioritizing and finding some sort of a balance. There's a trade-off, right? Short term versus longer term. And I, I found those are that those three things, if they can think about all these three and then align, I found that that will create tremendous value in the way they prioritize work. So that that's basically how I have sort of guided them as well. And I found they relate to it. Specifically, what is value? You know, they will figure it out. But I tell them, look, these are the three dimensions you look at. It will come together. Okay, nice. Yeah, I probably must ask you this question. Uh-huh. As we were talking. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Some of the things that you described in terms of mm-hmm. identifying the value, the flow of value, the communication and all that, uh, since you're a bridge player, uh-huh. do you see any analogy between, let's say, the initial bidding process when you try to articulate some value that you and your partner want to create and then the further communication and strategies that happen as you play? Yeah, it's a good question. I've, I've got a partner that I've been you know, we're not playing with regularly for the last one. And uh, we've actually been playing at some national level tournaments and playing with some really, really, you know, really, really fantastic players. I mean, we are nowhere there that, in that uh, we are not in the same league at the moment, but but by playing with them, it's actually helping us. So uh, actually there are two things, right? But even in the flow of value, you ask another question, how do you make it happen on the ground? So I found all this talk of flow of value cannot stop but at that level. It has to be operationalized. I think people need processes. That's what I found, right? Of how to actually make this happen. And here, here I find the partnership is crucial with the middle managers, right? Basically, I would say, you know, they bring context of the organization. And then you, as a coach, bring your expertise. And it is a combination that creates that, you know, you basically co-create the process. And once you've co-created that process, it is a matter of experiment. I keep telling them, look, you know, yeah, let's just not get stopped. Let's not just get paralyzed by this. Let's just do it for one cycle and then see what happens, right? And that's exactly what in Bridge, me, my partner have been doing, right? Initially, it was about we both of us agreeing on a bidding system. You know, bridges, bidding is about communicating with each other and trying to figure out, you know, how many how many tricks you can take, right? Yeah. Uh, and how do you compete, right? That's what bidding is about. So there's a lot of trying to exchange information about each other and there are bidding systems for that, right? So step one was, you know, together agreeing on a bidding system. And, and that too, uh, agreeing on a bidding system that is not too complex that, you know, we become slaves to the system and not make it too complex. And uh, like in an organizational context, uh, every deal and bridge will throw a totally new context right? Which is not addressed straight away by the bidding rules or bidding system, right? Right. And then that's when we also say, hey, okay, look, let's go with this and experiment and retrospect. In fact, uh, in Bridge, me and my partner, if we play for uh, 
an hour, we spend at least 20 minutes retrospecting. Wow. Uh, let's say we play 10 deals in those you know, 45 minutes and then another 20 minutes analyzing those deals. How did we communicate? Okay, look, what do we need to change? Oh, is that what you meant in your bid? I didn't know. Oh, this is a situation we have never encountered before. So we need to change our bidding system. So the bidding system is like your processes, right? And tools. Um, but that partnership, understanding, collaboration, that also is very important. And like in an organizational collaboration context, even in a bridge partnership, you know, you, ego gets in the way. Mm, very, um, yeah. Very, you know, I mean, I've seen even at, you know, players at very high levels, I mean, fighting with each other, like, <laughs> and, and um, luckily me and my partner don't fight with each other. But I, even with this, you know, we find, we find our ego gets in the way. I think I played it right, you know. Uh, but partner will say, no, look, you could have done this, no. And then we sort of learn about each other. You know what I'm saying? And and, um, and I think the same thing has to happen in an organization. It's just not about the process, right? It's also the your behaviors and also collaboration. And that comes back to, you know, what you talk about empathy and trying to relate to each other. And we tell, we tell each other only one thing, you know, as we have been learning, as we've been, you know, trying to improve our grid skills. We've been saying it's about learning. It's not about winning or losing. It's about learning. And I think the same thing I've been telling people, you know, when you're, when you experiment something, you know, you will learn something out of it and go back and change it. No problem. So that's, uh, that probably is a, there are some parallels there, Shit. Yeah, very nice. So in a way, logically, we've kind of come a full circle, you know, starting with uh, earning yeah. the respect and then making them succeed, collaboration, and the same things in Bridge about earning the respect of your partner, bidding together, communication, you know, being transparent, mm. and also refining your strategy with every trick. Yeah, what should be yeah. what you do plus what others do. Very yeah. interesting. So um, one last question before uh, we close for this time, and there are a lot more questions. I think we should do this more often. Anna. Yeah, we should. Sure. It's uh, essentially about the um, flow of value as conceived by, let's say, these managers. And mm-hmm. you also mentioned a little earlier that it is about making them succeed and not really managing perceptions. Yeah. So what would be some tips that you have for managers to actually make their work transparent to their leaders so that mm. it both gives them an update and also if they need any help, then mm. the leaders can also understand that and then support the managers. Because you normally say the middle is always neglected. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So Mm-mm. you have any suggestions for the managers, the middle managers to initiate something so that this gap can be addressed? Mm-hmm. Actually, you know, one thing I found, I'm again thinking, I guess there are many things that could be done. But one distinctive thing I learned in the last, uh, probably last couple of years has been solve problems of your manager, right? Not your problems solve problems of your manager i think is 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 a great way to have a conversation with your manager about something right uh, get connected with them because what i found is you know if you have a problem to solve it's your problem to be solved sometimes there is a manager's expectation as hey you are supposed that's why you're there right you're supposed to get this solved you can go to the manager for coach but you know you, you go to the man, your manager to get some guidance but i found uh, if you keep going to your manager for guidance, that borders on incompetence. Right? I mean, you don't know what you want to do. Right? But I found that the greatest way is to solve a problem for your manager or as something that's in your manager's agenda. I actually saw this even in practice 
it's a bit difficult for me to talk uh, specifics. Uh, but um, if you have good rapport with your managers, so rapport, you know, rapport, and I, I think that emotional intelligence aspects we talk about, like empathy, those things are crucial anyway, right? Those are to me uh, like basics. So one, once you're good at that and you have respect for your manager, uh, then a conversation can begin with your manager. So I think step one is probably have respect for your manager, then build rapport with your manager. Then you, the manager will share their problems with you. Now that's your opportunity, right? How can you help your managers solve their problem? Then you create a conversation. And, and you know, the great thing about that is uh, the manager starts thinking, hey, you know what, you're ready for the next level. I don't know, maybe that's, uh, that's one thing I've found in practice and often people don't do. Yeah, absolutely. Also seems quite practical and pragmatic to do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So on that note, Anand, we are really out of time for this episode. Thanks once again for sharing your insights and your experience. Definitely, you know, we should do this more often. Thank you, Shiv. Thanks for the opportunity. Bye. Bye. We thank Siddharth for the music and Anita for promoting the software people's stories. If you like this episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast client and spread the word in your network. If you'd like to share your story, contact us at podcasts at pm-powerconsulting.com.